Hey, I'm Phil. And I'm Chris. We are two dads who share one simple goal, to be better fathers to our kids. That involves more time together with our families, more books, more movies, more board games, and most importantly, more meals together. And if we're going to spend more meals together, we need to be better cooks. So this is us trying to figure that out. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Give me give me your best New Year's hey. Well, hello there, Phil. Okay, I thought maybe you'd go with a hey-yo. Nope, it's a hello there. Because you're a classy guy. I mean, you're wearing a tie, for goodness sake. Did you tie that bow tie yourself? It's not that hard. You actually taught me tie bow Actually, you tied my bow tie at your wedding. <laughs> do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't think you're the only I one who tied I think our friend Mark got a picture of it, and it was just super weird. I feel like it's supposed to be the other way around, Phil. I think you're just like, Ugh. Because you're taller. Fine. Come here. (laughs) How is Mark? Have you talked to him lately? Uh, We've texted a little bit back and forth. Yeah, I think he's doing well. I don't know if he listens to this show, but if he hears this, knowing Mark, he's going to jump over the moon with excitement. Maybe. I don't know. He's going to be annoyed that he's associated with us now. No shot. No shot. Good old Mark W. Happy New Year. This is the way to end the year. Thanks, Phil. Happy New Year to you, too. I don't know if I mentioned it, but uh, I'm kind of ready to be done with this year. So I know that's like oh news, gosh, news that? to you, Phil. But I might just go to sleep now so that uh, it's 2021. You know, my disposition is relatively positive. Generally have a pretty good outlook on life. That said, this year but? sucked, man. <laughs> I hated everything about 2020. It was a full year, full of challenging and good and downright terrible but it was a full year, I would say. Unless your name is Jeff Bezos, this is a bad, bad year. Well, we had a kid, and we bought a new house that we love, and we started a podcast. You and I didn't have a kid together. I had a kid with my wife, but <laughs> you and I started a podcast together, <laughs> in case that was confusing at all. Whose name is on the mortgage, you or me? <laughs> it's joint, Phil. Yeah. Our kid is the beneficiary to the house. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. So I, you are my been, work husband. There, there's been some. There's been some good stuff. Now there have been some highs and lows, but that's that's really what 2020 was. It, it wasn't just like all bad, but the the peaks and the valleys, and then the distance between them. It was just so exhausting, you know. Yeah, I mean, like the distance between those could be 12 minutes. It felt like absolutely. Like super, super good, and then and then super, super bad. We had so many challenges with our business. We, we've had uh, family members getting really sick, and that's that's been really tough. And then, like, hitting hitting the, the trending charts in our podcast, like, that couldn't, like, this, this year could not have gone better in terms of this little project that we started. And so, man, I'm excited to see what 2021 has. I'm excited to build on what we've had, and I'm excited to forget what, what hasn't, you know? And I can't think of a better way to so. forget than uh, your suggestion of a cocktails episode, Phil. Oh, let's do some forgetting. Let's forget <laughs> 2020 with a cocktails episode. This is going to be Might fun. Might need to take a break to forget some more. Boy, my cocktail that I've made for this episode is a bit frothy. Wait, hold on. Let me give it a... Yep. That's delicious. That's really good. Well balanced, you might say. It's got a cherry garnish, as nice. you can see what, here. What, what kind of cherry do you prefer? Uh, this is just a maraschino. I like cocktails with, with cherries. I do too. Uh it's hard to go wrong with a twist, though. There's something about the bright citrus that I just love. So honestly, I think I would actually prefer a martini with a twist to an olive most of the time. 
There's just something okay. about the brightness, and, and maybe it depends on the type of gin, but there's something about the brightness of, of citrus, and that might be why I love old fashions. I'm just going to highlight one super quick thing you just said, that, you know, the different types of gin for a martini. Mm-hmm. There's like this common misconception that a martini is made with vodka, and there are vodka martinis, and, and they're delicious, but a martini is actually made with gin. Correct. We don't want to upset James Bond. That's how it should be. Anyway, again, nothing, nothing wrong with with a vodka martini, but you're going to have to specify that. Yep, gin. And, and gin, gin is definitely oil. my preference for a martini. I'm not 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 super crazy about vodka, if we're going to be honest. What about a Moscow Mule? I can I can do that. I I enjoy one of those. Honestly, uh, there's enough masking going on <laughs> for as hot as it gets here. Anything it's with ginger such a good is summer great. drink. Yeah, I think I think weather definitely plays a part in beverage selection. I think there are some that are just classic and you can go to at absolutely like any time of the year. But kind of given all that, what are some of your favorites, Phil? Okay, before I jump into my favorites, just jumping back super quick, I just thought of this. I hadn't planned on mentioning this, but did you ever watch Mad Men? I actually didn't. No. Really? Like yeah. Don Draper's not your boy? No, I've, I haven't even seen a single episode, to be honest. List for 2021. I feel like you're missing out. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix. Fairly certain of that. Might have to give it a go. Do you just want to like cut from this and just go sure, watch I'll, an episode I'll, super quick? I'll get back to you once I've finished the series. Okay. <laughs> and hello again. How is how is <laughs> Mad Men? So great. So great. Can't believe I haven't watched that before. There's <laughs> so much of that show that taught me about cocktails. It's like the way they would order their drinks, like the the etiquette of ordering a cocktail. But the way I discovered the Negroni, which is absolutely on my list for one of my favorite cocktails, was when one of the characters from the show, I think his name was Sal, he goes to a bar and he orders Campari with a twist. And I was just reminded of it when you when you mentioned, you know, it's it's hard to beat a twist in a cocktail. So Campari is like this little Italian super bitter liqueur, I guess, is, is, is what you could call it. And it kind of tastes like orange peel, for lack of a better term. Like it's that it's that intense of a flavor, that bitter. Anyways, he he orders Campari with a twist, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna do that." I don't know what he just ordered, but I'm gonna do it. So I go. I was actually in a United Airlines club at Denver International Airport, and I order Campari with a twist. And like one guy just like turns his head and looks at me, like, "Did that <laughs> did that young child just order what I think he just ordered?" So they bring it to me, and it was my first time having it. I didn't know what I was getting. So intense, but I loved it. I fell in love with the flavor of like that bitterness and then started Googling, like, what does it go in? Is it always just served by itself? And turns out it's the staple ingredient to a Negroni and thus begat my love affair with a Negroni. It's probably my favorite cocktail, Chris. It's my go-to. Like you were saying, you got to have a go-to and that's, that's mine. I, I can enjoy a Negroni in the right environment, I think. If, if, if I'm feeling like something that has that level of bitterness... I've got to be honest, Phil. I think I like Boulevardier's better. The Boulevardier takes the Negroni and it gives it muscle. I feel like it gives it balance. Okay. I, I feel like the Negroni is just super bitter forward. And, you know, if you're subbing bourbon for that gin, bourbon is just so, like, to me, has, like, such a sweetness to it that it balances out the bitterness of the Campari better. And I just, I just like bourbon, so that might be my personal preference coming out there. I can, I can enjoy gin, but bourbon is definitely going to be, or you know, whiskey in general is going to be more of my like go-to than gin. Yeah. Okay. So before we get too far down that road, for those that might be unfamiliar, 
Are we doing this? Are we like going to talk about what goes in it and all that? Or are uh, we, just we can pretending like everybody's an expert. No, we, we, we can we can break it down a little bit, I guess. Not that we're experts, okay. but we're not. Might be an expert on drinking, but certainly not an expert on anything else. So the Negroni is equal parts Campari, gin, and sweet vermouth. And then Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the Boulevardier is exactly that sub bourbon for the gin. Yes. Okay. And then it's it's typically served in an old-fashioned glass with an orange peel. Hmm. I was kind of hoping you were going to debate me on that, and then I was just going to defer. I, I was asked if you like preferred cocktails like that up or on the rocks. So Negroni, I'll take on the rocks and a Boulevardier, I would do up. Okay. Do you feel like the, the ice helps with the... I think so. Bitterness, yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to go through your list real quick? Let's, let's talk about okay. you, Phil. Uh, so... The Negroni is that's at the top of your list there. I mean, it's or just on the list. It's, yeah, it's. I think it's on the list. Okay. What else? It is, does have is on to do with what I might be eating, and sure, weather plays a factor. I think it also has to do with what I'm wearing. You know, like if I'm in a if I'm in a t-shirt and shorts in someone's backyard, I'm probably not going to order a Manhattan. I might. <laughs> uh, but the Manhattan is also on my list. There's never yeah, a wrong time for an old-fashioned or a Manhattan, Phil. Or sure. Sazerac, for that matter. A little Sazzy? Is that on your list? If I had a list, heck oh, yeah. Absolutely. Man, maybe I need to come up with a list. Okay. So, kind of off the cuff here, uh, if, if I had to come up with a list, obviously, like, some of the classics, you know, an old-fashioned Manhattan. I also really like some of the New Orleans drinks, like the Sazerac mm-hmm. and... Avucare. That might be okay, one I'm of my favorites. Okay, I've not had What is that one? Okay, so Avucare, Phil. It's equal parts rye, cognac, and sweet vermouth. And then it has a bit of Benedictine. And then you're also going to have a couple dashes each of Angostura and Peychaud's. And you can garnish it with a, a cherry or a twist. Perfect. I love it. Especially with a twist, it has that that brightness. And when it's well done, it's just so balanced. And I don't know, it's interesting like how, for me, maybe drinks transport me to times and places more than food even. Yeah. I don't know if that's sacrilege to say on our, you know, on our food <laughs> podcast. But uh, yeah, I would say at least those those four are, are uh, at the top of my list. I think you could throw a Tom Collins in there for the summer. Oh yeah, Tom Collins are delicious. I love that citrusy base to it. Yeah, super refreshing, I think. Chris, one of my favorite like whole concepts with the cocktails in general isn't just the flavor, but also the presentation. And I mean, I'm, I kind of appreciate food presentation. Like if, if, you know, something is plated super well or, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too bougie with it, but uh, that's certainly something I look for when I'm going to a restaurant. And like the presentation of a cocktail can look super super great and okay side sidebar but kind of relating back to this did you ever see once upon a time in hollywood uh yes no we we did watch that i i liked it i don't know what do you think i loved it i mean tarantino's like one of my favorites always has been there's this one scene when dicaprio is like at his house you know like in the middle of the night by himself rehearsing some lines and he makes himself a cocktail and he drops some egg whites in in the mixer And like whatever comes out is like this super foamy, frothy cocktail. And I had never seen that before. So I Googled it like as lame as it sounds. It was like, what did Leonardo DiCaprio make in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? And um, turns out he makes a whiskey sour. And the the whiskey sour uh, is also on my list here. And it's so, so good. But the only way to make a whiskey sour 
as far as I'm concerned, is with the egg whites. So drop in, drop in some egg whites in your in your mixture. Shake the mother out of that, and it's going to create this beautiful frothy cocktail. That you serve that to your guests. Oh my gosh, you're going to get some action, guaranteed. Okay, that brings up an interesting conversation points, Phil. I don't know what, what's kind of interesting to me about all of it is um, I've been kind of uh, diving down this rabbit hole a little bit. Okay, like the cocktail rabbit hole, and yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with a guy by the name of David A. Embury. No. So Embury wrote a book back in, I want to say it was 1948, called The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks. And it's a really interesting book on, obviously, like cocktails. And I think it started to, you know, in, in a way that we've talked about a little bit with like some of our kind of mother sauces, it started to break down cocktails in a way that I felt like was way more approachable. And I don't know, I guess in the past, I felt like there are so many different recipes and you just had to memorize them all where that's maybe not necessarily the the case. Maybe, maybe there are some more building blocks kind of like we discovered with, with food. And so in, in the fine art of mixing drinks, basically like he breaks cocktails down into two different types. And then identifies six primary drinks that most other drinks can be based on. And kind of by, by doing those two things, identifying these like primary drinks that then really like you can start subbing different ingredients into to create kind of all these derivative drinks. Even like the categorization of two primary drink categories between those two things and then like really diving into ratios between your different components. I don't know, for some reason for me, it just like really broke down all these walls and made it a whole lot more fun to kind of explore different things. And and it also made it a lot more approachable as well. Hmm. So what are the two categories? Alcoholic and non-alcoholic? Yes. Oh, really? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, um, I sours. Like, I thought I was making a joke there. <laughs> uh, sours and aromatics. It's like sour cocktails and aromatic okay. cocktails. Oh, very cool. And he, he identifies this basic sour ratio for a cocktail. So the the basic sour ratio for him is like a one to eight ratio. It's eight parts of whatever your base is, two parts sour and one part sweet. Mm-hmm. And so with that basic ratio, you can kind of plug just about anything in and maybe with a little bit of tweaking for ingredients, get something that's pretty well balanced and tasty. And that is another thing that he kind of like really focuses in on is that there shouldn't be just like a diehard formula for a drink because everybody's palate is different and every ingredient is different. So say you had a gin that was like super, super dry. You might want to change your ratio of gin to vermouth to help cut that dryness a little bit and create a little bit more balance. As opposed to, you know, like a a gin that might be a a little bit more neutral, you can pull back on the vermouth some. But kind of like in cooking, it's it's one of those things that like you taste and, and you let your palate be like the final judge. You have these recipes kind of as a guide, these ratios or specific recipes as, as a guide to kind of send you down the path. But what you like and what you feel like tastes good as the final judge. I feel like I just saw color for the first time. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, sure. You might be joking, but I felt that way. If we're, if we're being honest. So the the six major drinks that he outlines are the, the daiquiri, 
the Jack Rose, the Old Fashioned, a Manhattan, a Sidecar, and a Martini. And a lot of those do follow the basic sour ratio. So a daiquiri, the the Jack Rose, which I've honestly never had, a Sidecar for sure. Those all follow the one to eight sour ratio. Okay. So like half of those are half of those are sour, and I guess half of those would be like your aromatic type cocktails. But I do think it's like super interesting that it gives you these like basic ratios that you can then just kind of play around with and explore different things. And and obviously not every cocktail is going to fall into those specific categories. But it is interesting to see like how many are are actually like really close. They're just kind of derivatives of those. Yeah, no doubt. When when I started diving into those mother sauces, you know, like so far we've covered the bechamel and the hollandaise. And sure, I, I may have been making some of those my whole life and not not knowing it. But once I kind of got into how critical they are to a dish, that's when and, and almost like the cooking theory behind it, like why it's used and, and how it's tweaked and, and what that ultimately turns into. That's when I feel like my mind kind of opened up to how important cooking was and, and how I could be a better chef. So, I mean, yeah, dude, this sounds like right up my alley. Like this is what I need because I know what I like. and. Yeah. I've I've made things that you know I've been curious about a recipe, so I'll Google it you know, like how how to make a Manhattan, and then a thousand recipes come up, and I'll typically choose something from Epicurious because I really like you know they're as stupid as it sounds. I I just like their website. And, you know, <laughs> Honestly, I think that's they, I think they describe cocktails well. Sure, yeah, but I I didn't know that the Manhattan was you know one of these six critical what'd you call them they're the six basic cocktails that he describes okay. so i guess like technically like a negroni would be a derivative of a manhattan that like seems so foreign to me and i also have not had a would you call it the rose the what jack, the rose. jack rose yeah so and it, it's interesting you you can also kind of see how especially when you look at some of the sours the recipes for the sours you're just subbing different things so like a daiquiri in that 128 you know you're base is rum, your sour is lime, and your sweet is simple syrup. A Jack Rose, your base is apple jack, your sour is lemon juice, and your sweet is grenadine. And then a sidecar, which I actually do really like. Sidecars are great. Uh, your base is, is like a, a cognac or a maniac. Your sour is lemon, and then your sweet is uh, some type of orange liqueur, like um, Contra or, or Triple Sack. But you can kind of see how like you can start to take that basic ratio and come up with a whiskey sour, come up with, you know, like all these different drinks just by like substituting stuff in. See, I always thought bartending school was just like a bunch of flashcards. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. There's like so much to memorize. Right. It it makes sense. Yeah. These these building blocks. Shoot. I'm going to I'm going to show this off. I'm going to invite some people over I, in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Once everybody has vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Go vaccinate. One thing for me that I think really helped open a lot of this up was having, like, honestly, like to, to make drinks at home, you don't have to have the fanciest professional bartending equipment. But I do think the one thing for me that really kind of opened a lot of this up was being able to actually measure yeah. all the different ingredients. So when Molly got me a jigger, that, I don't know, totally changed everything. Like it, it, Not uh, to be confused with a jigger? Sure. You don't have those in Colorado, do you? No, 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 I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> the derailing. But yeah, being, being able to actually measure something out makes it replicatable. 
And if you create something that you like and you kind of know what those ratios are, you can make it again the same way. So I would say you don't need like a crazy cool cocktail shaker. If you can, honestly, I prefer drinks stirred. So if if you can just okay. get some ice and a spoon, but make sure that you can actually measure out your ingredients. I don't know. For me, that makes all the difference in the world. You know, all the different types of glasses, you know, like shoot, what do you mean? There's a cocktail glass and a highball and an old-fashioned glass and a Gibraltar. And honestly, half of those are probably the same thing, you know? I like cocktails and coupes. Yep. Don't know what that is. It's like a stemmed cocktail glass, kind of. I thought the cocktail glass was stemmed. Technically. Technically, a martini glass is not a martini glass. It's a cocktail glass. But a coupe is not... It's, it's not angular like a martini or like what you think of as a martini glass or a cocktail glass. A coupe is like rounded. Uh-huh. So Okay, that's what I thought the cocktail glass was, that rounded thingy. Okay. Yeah, so that, that, that would be like a coupe. I think technically that's a coupe and a cocktail glass is what you think of a, as a martini glass. Okay, interesting. I might be wrong, but I See? think that's what it is. Foundations. Typically when I order a Manhattan, it comes in a coupe because I always order it up. I feel like cocktails in coupes or cocktail glasses are going to be up where in a, yeah, where others are going to be more on the rocks. Like an old-fashioned glass would be on the rocks, generally? And maybe that's why they call them rocks glasses. That's what I'm saying. Like half of these are actually the same thing. Okay, so I think of a highball as like a taller glass. A rocks Mm -hmm. glass as like a short glass. Basically like a I mean, would it be like a pint glass? I don't know if any of them would be a pint glass. Like a, a highball is going to be closer to a pint. That's what I mean. Yeah, closer. Not necessarily okay. the same uh, volume. I think it's probably a lot less. Like if you ordered a, a, a Long Island iced tea. That'd be, a, that'd be a highball. That'd be a highball, yeah. Yeah, that'd definitely come in a highball. Where an old-fashioned is going to come in a rocks glass. Okay. Well, yeah, shorty. Got it. Good. A little shorty guy. Thanks for being my bartender for the evening. What are you drinking, by the way? Have we covered that yet? No, but I did have a Manhattan, actually. Is it gone? It is. It's done. I didn't put it in a cube because I thought that'd be too, like, uppity for my closet that I record my podcasts in. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to be honest, I had one in a cube last night, and it was great. Yeah, I've been making Manhattans probably more than anything else, just as of late. Really, really enjoy those things. It is hard to go wrong. Super tasty. Maybe that'll that'll be my drink of 2021. Well, what pairs best with mussels? Since that's what I'm going to have in a couple of days. What should I be making with that? Well, honestly, that's what we had with, with our muscles last night. Manhattan it is. And I'll make a mocktail for my wife. Just because she's into those lately. Oh, 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 o